it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather, and Dave Ahern, to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Investing for Beginners. So, uh, welcome to the podcast today. Today, I have myself, uh, Dave Ahern, and with me, we have Andrew Sather. And we're going to be talking to Ernie today, where he's a beginning investor, and he's with Andrew's e-letter. And we're going to talk a little bit about investing. So uh, with that, Ernie, why don't you go ahead and ask her your first question, please? Yes, I have opened up a new page on a, a web broker page and uh, to do my trades. And it's kind of uh, difficult to navigate through all that stuff because they use different kind of terminology, especially with uh, stops and trailing stops. And I thought there would be a box come up. I could just put 25% in there, but it doesn't seem to work that way. It seems like you have to put the price and then the low price. Or uh, Are you familiar with that? Yeah, so there's a lot of different methods and different trades that a broker will offer. Um, a, a very common one, which you might have seen, was the stop limit. So what that is, is basically you put in whatever price you want a stop limit to trade into. And once the stock hits, and I think even in some cases, it doesn't even need to exactly hit it, but the broker will prioritize all their different trade orders. And when it gets close to that price, they'll execute that trade for you. When I refer to the trailing stop in my e-letter, it's something I actually don't recommend inputting to the broker for several reasons. First off, like I said, because the broker will choose buys and sells, you'll see this with any trade with a broker. Say you put a buy order in for... Uh, $45. If you look at what the actual cost was maybe a day later, the average cost will be different depending on how many shares you buy, who's on the other side of the trade. So there's a lot of things that go into making a trade that we don't see because everything's based on the computer now, but there's always a buyer or a seller that's on the opposite side of your trade. So the broker isn't always able to make that a one-for-one exchange. So what they'll do with a stop limit and how that can be problematic if you're putting that into your brokerage account is they'll maybe execute a trade that's not at the price you wanted. And another thing, too, is things like flash crashes can activate those prematurely. So I like to recommend putting a trailing stop in 
for the end of day prices because we've seen, I think it was in 2010 where there was some computer glitch or something to do with the high frequency trading algorithms and they caused the stock market to crash at a very accelerated rate in a very short period of time. And so if you have stops into the broker, they're going to execute those and that's not what we're trying to do. The approach I try to preach is long-term approach. And so when the media likes to really demonize this high-frequency trading and make you feel like the stock market's rigged against you, but what really the people who don't get affected by those are people who hold for the long-term. So we're going to try to hold for the long-term, put a trailing stop in, and then the way I do it, and Dave, I believe we talked about this last week. We did. Basically putting a alert on Yahoo Finance. So really it's it's up to you, Ernie, uh, how you want to track it yourself. I prefer to not have to check every single day. So there's different tools out there you can use to alert you to when your stock crosses over that point. And then if, well, if the stock closes at past that, below that trailing stop point, then you can execute the sell then and there. Okay, so you, should I expect them to call me or email me or some not, notify me some way no, that they, that has happened? No, no. Unfortunately, the way it works is when you, if you do it through your brokerage account, it'll automatically trigger without you notifying you or telling you that the stock price has fallen below that limit. So if you set it, man, if you set it yourself through the brokerage, if it hits that point, it'll automatically trigger the trade. Uh, there won't be any notification. It's basically on you to be aware that that's going to happen to your to your account. That's why right. Andrew and I both are fans, much bigger fans of doing it manually and not putting it in with the, the brokerage mm-hmm. account because it allows you to give you the flexibility to make that decision on your own. If you put it in your brokerage hey. account, it, the computer is just going to see that number, it's going to trigger the sale, and off you go. Mm-hmm. And that's that's right. why we try to avoid doing it with the brokerage account. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. And then, and Ernie, Andrew, I'll, I'll, let me add to that. Because you're an e-letter subscriber, I am giving those, I'm giving new stock buys every month in that e-letter. And as a part of that, I also do the portfolio maintenance. So you'll see with each issue, if a stock does cross that trailing stop and you happen to miss it, you know, life happens, maybe the alert yeah. just doesn't hit your inbox, whatever it may be, you can read the issue and you'll see that, okay, Andrew's put a sell into this into this order. And so if you miss it, you can sell at that time. Hopefully it won't have, it wouldn't have fallen much longer than that. Stocks that really get pummeled in the bear market tend to happen over periods of several months and not within a few weeks. Of course, there's always exceptions to the rule. I always recommend trying to track that yourself, but in the case that it doesn't, and if you're following my picks, then that's part of the service that I offer. Okay, that was a question. Anyway, you did do a few sales there recently. You know, you advised to get out of it. Well, not recently, but, you know, on several of the newsletters you said, sell, sell, sell. So that sounds like not a long-term approach. You explain that? Yeah, most definitely. So you're referring to my January issue. We had four cells that I took off of the market. So what happens within the the e-letters life is each month I'm adding a new stock to the portfolio. So over time, that portfolio builds up. And once you reach a point where you have too many stocks in the portfolio, then it, it, ha- it reaches a point where you want to pull some of those back. Once you reach, and we talked about this last week as well, once you reach anything past 25 stocks, 
the point of diversification and adding more positions, adding an additional amount to that doesn't really give you any plus benefit. If anything, it brings your returns more towards the average. So with the, I'm not sure how long have you been subscribed, Ernie? Probably six months or. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the new, the e-letter has been going on for almost two and a half years. So in that time, we've really accumulated a lot of positions. So the big, the big goal of that and the big purpose of making those cells was to bring some of those positions down. It ended up being 15, 16, still having 15 or 16 positions open. So there's still a lot of diversification in there. But these were stocks that maybe in, in, in somebody's portfolio, if it was a bigger portion and they weren't diversified like we were in the e-letter, they could have held on and that could have been fine. I saw them as declining a little bit. And because I have this cushion where I'm trying to get a little less diversified anyways, that's why we basically picked up those those profits really quickly. So we sold a stock for about 62% gain. One was 55 another was above 50 and one was 20. So it, it made sense. And those companies, not to say that they, n- none of them were really trending poorly where it was like, okay, this stock could be an issue, but they yeah. were not, the, from a business perspective, talking about earnings, talking about asset growth, net worth growth, it didn't grow as optimally as some of the other positions. So I went ahead and took those profits. Okay. The the The, the dividend fortress section of the e-letter is really where the the very long-term approach lies. And so ultimately, the whole goal is to try to build a lot of positions with a small amount of capital and then being able to accumulate those. And then once they're accumulated, putting those into a dividend fortress and leaving those for hopefully decades, barring any sort of catastrophe in the business, such as negative earnings or really high debt levels. And so, okay. ask, uh, Dave, do you do any sort of portfolio maintenance? Uh, I know you're a long-term investor as well. It's a, it's a tough decision sometimes when, when you want to sell or if you want to keep a stock and hope, hope it can recover. Yeah, I, I do do some account maintenance as well. I Every quarter, I'll take a look at all my positions and see what's going on with all of them. You know, I have, I don't, you know, Andrew splits his portfolio up into basically two different groups. And I don't do that. I'm a little bit older. And so I'm more looking at buying something and sitting on it until I retire or beyond that. I'm, you know, I'm looking at investing for my retirement as well as my daughter's retirement. I have a little girl and I'm looking at trying to set her up to get her going when she's old enough. And so, you know, the companies that I'm buying are more along the lines of I'm going to hold these for a long, long time. And so Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily look for the same kinds of things that Andrew is doing. Mm -hmm. And I applaud what he's doing. It's a great way to, to, to make some money and to look at other companies to be able to buy, to keep rotating, you know, making money while he's doing it. The thing that I do is I will look every quarter at the earnings that are coming out and I'll read those about the companies just to kind of keep up what's going on with them. And if I see something that's maybe troubling or maybe it's a red mark, I won't necessarily just run out and sell it right away, but it'll be something that I'll start paying attention to. Mm -hmm. It'll be kind of a, you know, okay, I got a checklist. I'm going to look at this and I'm going to look at this and I'm going to look at this. And if these things start adding up as a negative vibe for me, then I will definitely look at at selling the company. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money. 
not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. It's also a good way to mitigate the costs of trading the, the company. You know, the thing we were talking about earlier about the stop loss. One of the things yeah. that, you know, when you read on sure. the Internet about buying stocks, you can find probably 5 million articles and websites and, you know, e-letters and books about buying stocks. But when you talk about selling stocks, there's almost nothing out there. And having an exit strategy when you get into a company is almost as important as when you buy the company. And a trailing stop is an amazing way to help mitigate any losses as the company may stumble or the economy may stumble. And it's a way to help you know, ride your winners till they are not going to ride anymore. And it's also yeah. a great way to help mitigate mm. any losses that might happen. Andrew mentioned a few moments ago about the time length on a stock falling that quickly. To have a stock fall 25% in a day is very, very rare. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. It's going to be a gradual thing. It's not something where you're going to go to bed on Friday night oh. and Monday morning it's going to drop 25%. And not unless something you know majorly tragic happens like Warren Buffett passes away and yeah. you know, everybody loses complete faith in Berkshire Hathaway. You know, mm-hmm. you know that something like that, it's just, it's so rare. It's just not, it's not something that really need, need to 
to lose any sleep about, but having a stop loss on your account is a great idea and having an exit strategy is a great idea. So it's a little bit of a long-winded answer, but I I hope that helps answer your question. Uh, That's good. That's good. Hey, you. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. Um, Another question for Andrew there. Years ago, uh, a friend of ours who traded in shares and stuff, he recommended me always to buy an even number of shares rather than just buy a dollar amount of them because they were easier to sell when you did come to sell them. Is that what you do? Can you be more clear, an even number as in, okay, buy two shares, four shares instead of three shares, five shares? No, no, no. Like... uh, Instead of putting in a, an order for $1,000 worth of shares, I should put in uh, an order for 100 shares at $99 or something like that. Yeah, okay. I, I'm not making the, the, myself clear. No, no, yeah, I got, I got you. The broker I use, TradeKeen, only allows me to trade in full shares. So okay. another, yeah, another strategy I like to use is the dividend reinvestment program. And if any investors out there aren't using it, it's something that you'll either have to toggle it on the online broker website or you have to actually call the broker and ask them to establish that program for you. What it will do is automatically buy shares of the company when you receive the dividends. And so what that, the whole, the whole point I'm trying to make is when you buy full shares and then you have the dividend reinvestment program, it's short for DRIP, that will help you accumulate partial shares and you'll get a decimal point with the uh, added shares. But when you go to sell, it won't let you sell, like, let's say 2.5 shares. It will say sell the two shares whole and then you can, it will automatically sell the rest for you. So on the buy side, it's it's very similar. I've, I've tried before because I've, I've had a certain dollar amount I wanted to invest and it just didn't add up to whole shares like you were saying. And so I would try to do like a 1.5 and it's just not going to let you do that. I'm not sure about other brokers, but I know TradeKeen doesn't let it. No. Well, this guy recommended buy 100 shares or 200. Don't buy 53 and a half. Like just stick to around even numbers. Yeah, I can. So when you go to sell it then, and it's an easy lump sum to sell. I can see. That I guess be, that might be an old idea they had way before they had computers. It's that far back. Yeah, true. I mean, there is a good. It's a good idea to have a set strategy as far as how you're going to buy a stock. In my opinion, it's not a good idea to just say, "Oh, well, I have." $1,000 extra this month, I should buy that and then maybe go six months without buying anything. And then, oh, I have 5000 let's buy some more. Or, you know, oh, I've been really tight with money and I'm not able to buy anything for two years. In my opinion, it's, and what I try to really prove with the e-letter is we're, we're doing $150 a month. That's what I'm putting in my personal portfolio and I'm tracking that to see what kind of returns I can make over the long term. By keeping right. the numbers so small, the whole point of it is that any average investor out there can find room in their budgets to really consistently put money into the market. And so instead of trying to jump around and do it here and there, when there's no set strategy, it tends to be a situation where kind of like going to the gym, you know, if, if you just always wait until you're inspired, it, it never really comes around. You have to set a disciplined system to have some long-term consistency. And so even if it's a small amount, having that consistent amount that you're going to invest every single month, number one, it, it keeps your investments growing over time. 
And number two, it prevents you from buying at the worst points. And so over time accumulating positions and not having to really feel the the big negatives of stock market crashes and bear markets. Right. I understand and I will be doing that in the future. But right now I have about 15,000 I want to get moving quickly. What what do you think we should do there? Okay. I'm not going to give you personal advice as far as that. I'll I'll tell you what what I'm doing in my situation. I have something very similar, and I've written a couple emails about this to my list. Basically, I have an old 401k that I rolled over to an IRA, and this was just Mm -hmm. a few months ago. And so I I have a big lump sum of of cash, and I want to put it in, in the market. And it would be really nice to put it in right away, but... Number one, I want to stay diversified. I want to mm-hmm. also make sure I'm not, because it is such a substantial sum for me personally, I don't want it. I don't want my returns to be based on when I'm entering the market. So it very well could happen that if I put everything in today and then we see a bear market for the next two, three years, yeah. that could really hurt my returns. At the same yeah. time, we don't know what the future holds. So you know, I could be waiting and the market could just rise and I would have really missed out. So I'm, I'm kind of taking the like the middle ground and instead of really trying to, I feel like there's going to be regret either way I go. So instead I, I try to break it up and I'm just averaging it out over the next 10 months and I'm averaging them out in different positions, different stocks. And then it's by and large by doing it over a time period like that, I'm also getting diversification essentially on the timing. I mean, it's not going to be perfect because obviously bear and bull markets cycle over very many years. You talk about a bull market, which can cycle seven to 10 years. We've seen 20-year bull markets before. You see bear markets, which could last anywhere from six months to 18 months. We've seen two years or longer bear markets. There's no way to know, and other people might feel differently, might have different tolerances, and it's really one of those things. If you go online, you'll see people... They'll just constantly argue, you know, invest in the lump sum or dollar cost average. I like to do it that way for those reasons. Right. Uh, you uh, know, I think Dave had something to add too. Yeah, I wanted right. to, I wanted to, to to add on to what Andrew was saying. I've read lots of studies about this particular issue, and you know, my viewpoint is that if you take that money and you if you look at investing it once a month for 12 months, that will give you enough diversification and you know solidarity of consistency of the price point that you're going to be paying, and you can even yeah. out the ebbs and flows of the market. If you put it all in a one lump sum, like Andrew was saying, there's a chance that the market could keep continue to skyrocket. It's also a chance that six months from now it could tank. And you know, if you put it all in, you're kind of you're 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 timing your price now and you have no control over what happens in the future. Not that you have a lot of control, but if you use the dollar cost average system, you have a little more control of when you buy the price, when you put it in, and it helps even out the price of, you know, if you're buying a stock, let's say Apple, just as an example. Yeah. I'm not recommending yeah. you buy them. I'm just, you know, if you buy it now, today, you know, earnings came out, the price is, you know, a little bit up. A week from now, it could go down again. 
and two weeks from now it could go down again, but then three weeks from now it could bounce back up to where it is today. So, you know, by dollar cost averaging, you're going to smooth out that price if you buy it once, you know, every month for the next 12 months, you're going to say, you know, you're going to, you're going to get it in the market where you want it. You're also going to get it at a price where you want it. You're also going to be able to smooth out the price as it goes along. And the studies have shown that the dollar cost averaging is going to, over the long term, is going to beat the lump sum addition by any from one one to two percent, kind of depending oh. on what's going on with the market. So there are definitely advantages to it as well. And it also helps you sleep a little better at night too, which is a, yeah. a plus. Yeah. Andrew? Yeah. Remember, do you remember back to who uh, Terex? I'm sorry? Do you remember that stock you were talking about? We recommended Terex. Yeah. Construction equipment, yeah, and then we you told you recommended selling it fairly quick. Didn't go well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Would there be a possibility that you could uh, warn us or send that in your daily messages to subscribers to to get out of such a situation quickly? Yeah, I mean it it is a good idea. Um, The way my daily list is formulated is that everybody's in there. So if I were to send an update like that, it would send out to people who aren't subscribers to the e-letter. Um, in that sense, it wouldn't be fair to the people who do subscribe to, to see these buy or sell orders through the daily email. And it's it's yep. something I really try to keep consolidated within the e-letter itself. Yeah, but I could have to wait another month before I might find out. Well, yeah, which is why I, I do recommend tracking it on your own. And if, if you do happen to miss it, the the issue that had that sell will include that sell order. Yeah. Well, time-consuming, but uh, I guess we've got to do it that so, way. We've so, got to do it. Yeah, so um, we'll mention again, you can sign up for Yahoo Finance has a free tool called – you can basically build your own portfolio on Yahoo Finance, and you, you enter the ticker, and it will track those things for you, and you can build an alert. So let's say if I want to put in a ticker TEX – yeah, it will track that for me, and then if I put in the price I want them to alert me at, then they will send mm-hmm. an email to me the exact moment when it crosses below that price. So in oh, essence, yeah, Yahoo Finance can do that for you if you just go into Yahoo Finance and look for the Yahoo alerts through their portfolios that you can build. Then that 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 would be more what you're looking for. Great. Okay, for your Canadian subscribers. Would you consider doing some picks on the TSX? I personally don't invest in anything outside of the United States for a couple of reasons. I have, number one, the tax implications. You get double taxed, at least here in the States, if I were to invest and sell a stock from, let's say, the TSX or any other index that's outside of these borders. I would get taxed by both the Canadian government and here in the U.S. government. So, that alone takes away any sort of benefits. I also, just as a generality, try to invest in U.S. stocks. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I think really that's about uh, all the questions I have for now, Dave. Okay, awesome. Or not Dave, Dave and uh, Andrew. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. I, as you can see, uh, I'm a beginner and I'm not very uh, computer literate, so it's a stretch for me. 
That's okay. We all got to start somewhere, Ernie, and you know, you're doing a great job. You asked some really good questions and, you know, I think you're on the right path. So just, you know, Andrew's got some great resources for you to help you with what you're doing. And he, I know he's always there for you if you ever have any questions, for sure. Yes. Uh, I appreciate him. I like him a lot. He's a good guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, we'll keep him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ernie. Uh, all right, Ernie. Thank you very much for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.